0: Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. Well, we're in James, and we're just two sermons away from finishing our teaching series, Real Faith. And as we've just heard, today we get to this subject of patience. So I was coming back from like a month off thinking, right... The nations are ahead of us, we have the glory of God before us, we have the promises of God in our hands, let's go, we're on mission, and then I open up the scriptures to what I'm going to preach on, and it's on patience. And I was, it took me a while to come to a place of inspiration, if I'm honest. James says twice here, be patient, verse 7, and then also, you also remember, be patient, and I think for most of us, if we be honest, like we know that we need to be patient. Anyone know like situations in your life where you need to be patient? You need to be patient with your work situation. You need to be patient with people sometimes. Anyone give an amen to that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Any married people know that sometimes okay, you need to be patient? You need to be patient with your children? No, <laughs> well done, John. Good answer. No need for patience there. We need to be patient with our health sometimes. You think, like, why is my body, like, frustratingly letting me down all the time and you need patience? There are so many situations. You wish you had something or someone or you were married and you are living through this season of just needing patience. And yet the very last thing I think that we often want is actually having patience, isn't it? What do we pray for when we get together in community group? We pray for breakthrough, we pray for power, we pray for the blessing, we pray for the answer to come shorter than we ever imagined. May the answer come this week, Lord, so that by next week we can have the testimony that you've given the thing that they're waiting for. How often have you heard in community groups, I would say, I'm really struggling right now, but I just feel like the thing that's on my heart is that I want to pray for patience so that I could humbly endure this season of my life and let the Lord do everything that he wants in my life. It's not generally top of our list. Is it if I'm, my inclination is always like, I'll pray for the breakthrough first. I want to pray for that first. And yet James has this different approach to life where actually there is a, a patience that can lead us somewhere better than just the need to be asking for things to be put into to place. Sometimes we need to redefine what, what things are. So let me just do three things and just redefine patience for us and then look at actually how we we get it. And I think we will hopefully, prayerfully, be motivated in whatever the situation that we might be walking through right now to live with more patience and humility in the season that we're in, knowing that God has purposes for us in it. So just three things to define what patience is and hopefully motivate you to to walk in it. The first thing is this, patience actually has a promise attached to it there are actually rewards given to those who are patient with Jesus when James says be patient and then also be patient again in verse 8 what he's not asking for is like a stoical kind of grin and bear it my life is tough everything is tough but this is just what it is he's not asking for that kind of attitude what he's actually asking us to do is approach our life and the difficulties of our life with an awareness that if we are patient, there are rewards coming at the end of our patience. He uses this example in verse 7. He says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. There is something that the farmer waits for. That is actually precious for him. He is patient for a reward. The crops, the harvest, the income that that will be. Imagine if a, a, a farmer just sowed the seeds And he waits for it for four months. And then like three weeks, two weeks out from potentially getting the harvest, he just gives up. I've been waiting for three months on this. It. Like, I'm going to go and do something else. He goes for a career change. He looks for another job. He tries to do something else. He tries to sell up something. And yet all the while, two weeks later, there was this abundance of a harvest that was to come for him and his family and to bless those around him. Imagine if he shortchanges himself like that. He gives this example of Job later. He said, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Just a side note. Isn't it interesting how so many of the men and women that we esteem today and look back on and say they are examples of what it is to live a good and worthy life. How so many of them walked through a life of suffering you just look back at the men and women who we honor today and we celebrate them and yet when you actually read about their life their life was marked primarily through stress and difficulty and heartache and pain and trauma and perseverance and just plain hard work and yet today we celebrate them but we never want to apply that to our life have you ever notice that? Like, we want to applaud those lives. We know, actually, significant lives are generally born through hardship and pain and difficulty. Yet, I don't want that for my life. I want the wide and easy road for me. Could I have a significant life and an easy life at the same time? That's what most of our hearts are kind of hoping for. Like, kind can have a prophetic word that leads me into glory and is also full of ease. That's what I'd really like to do. And yet, what he says... Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, that is under trial. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. There is blessing given in this example of Job, who walks through trial and trouble, his family dying around him, having his whole income taken away from him, being left just desolate, desperate before the Lord. And yet we're told that this man, because of his patience, humbly accepting his lot before the Lord, walked patiently with God and at the end of his patience was declared blessed by God. There is blessing if we are willing to walk through our life patiently. I think it is possible for us to shortchange blessing in our own life through lacking patience. It's possible actually to get close to a place where God would like to bless us. He wants to take us low so that he can take us high. He wants to take us through a type of crucifixion through our life so that he could bring us into a resurrection type power. And so many of us actually shortchange ourselves because just at the point that we are going to get to the place of resurrection power being displayed in our life again, we actually take an exit stage left and we think, I want to find this path because this looks easier. Isn't our heart always looking for the easy path? There's that principle isn't there In like water and I think electricity if I'm right, the path of least resistance. No, like water will always just find the path of least resistance, it will just and our hearts are a bit like that I think. Like I know deep down my heart is generally always trying to navigate the path of least resistance. Even in conversations Even in meetings, even in little moments of trials and trying to work things out. I know deep down my subconscious, my default is, how can I make it through this path with the least resistance? As easy as possible. But as Christians, the call on us is not to walk on the wide and easy road, where I can take a left or a right. I can choose where I'm going to try and find the easy path through life. The call on Christians, Jesus says, is to walk on the narrow path which means I only have one path to walk on and that's to follow Jesus Christ my Saviour. So whether it takes me downhill for a season or whether it's hard work going uphill or whether I walk through trials, this is the only path that I have. And my choice in life is not whether I find the easy road, whether I find the right path and follow Christ. And that's gonna require patience. But at the end of the narrow path, we're told is glory, is blessing, is power. There are precious fruits at the end of walking with, with patience. So we need, we need that. And it's not something our, our culture is particularly going to celebrate us for, because our culture celebrates Taipei people, the go-getters, the make it happen, get it done. What's your process for crunching through as many things as you can, like you go and achieve your life? You go, that's what we celebrate. We don't tend to celebrate those who are humbly accepting their situation and walking with grace, trusting the Lord that there is blessing on the other side of that patience. So we have to fight the culture that's saying always, just, just walk this way, this way, that way. You go get it, you go whatever. You As a Christian, I'm out of options. I have Christ set before me and this is the path he's got for me. So I I don't have the choice to exit to the left or exit to the right unless the Lord says that's my path for this next season. So we don't want to derail the blessing, amen? So patience is not just stoic grinning and bearing. It actually has promise and blessing attached to it on the other side of patience. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, and it's a bit of a negative to get to a positive, but patience is the absence of grumbling. James is always concerned, if you've noticed, with what we do with our language, how we speak, because James, in in his psychology, thinks that what we say is actually a revealing of who we really are, that our words betray our, our heart for good and for bad. And so he has this really odd moment in verse eight, where he says this, you also be patient he says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. Which feels like an odd thing. He's saying, okay, be patient, everyone. Oh, and by the way, don't grumble. Is that attached? In James' thinking, this is intrinsically attached. Because I think this is where he's going with this. What tends to happen? And just think back to times in your life where you've like, struggled in situations. What tends to happen where you are going through a, a hard time? or you feel like life is unfair against you. I can tell you what happens in my life, and you can see if it concurs with what happens in your life. What I am prone to do, except if I'm walking through difficulties, is to begin to look at other people and compare my life with their life. Ever done that? Oh, come on. (laughs) 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 You think, okay, my life feels very stressful. Why is it that their life looks always so easy and they just go from one easy thing to the next? Or why am I still fighting for this promotion and they get promoted without even asking for it three times over? Why, why, why am I still childless and, and they've got three, they've got fourth on the way, like, around. them like around. Why are they married already and I've been desperately praying to be married, and you start comparing yourself to one another, right? Tori and I do this thing, maybe I do this thing, she can tell you later, it happens when you have kids, I think, it may happen before you have kids, but for us when we had kids, we started doing this thing generally like towards the end of an evening, where one of us would say, because it just comes out of the flow of the heart. And what would happen in the other person's heart, and I've checked this out with Toria, is basically this, if Toria says I'm really tired today, I go, in my heart, who are you? (coughs) Because I can tell you that I am probably about three and a half more times tired than you are because I've got a whole list of things that I've been doing that I haven't seen you be doing today. So if you want to go toe to toe on the tired game, I'm very happy to do it. Do you want to do this right now? and I know that it happens vice versa because we've been in there and what happens is you start grumbling against each other because you suddenly start comparing your lives with each other you think my life is hard I'm exhausted I've got too much that I can do Oh, and you just grumb- you, you see how you end up sinning against each other and you may not say that to your brothers and sisters or your colleagues at work but you may think it and we've sinned against each other because we don't honour the path, actually, you have no idea what the other person is going through anyway, in the trials and the difficulties and the, the pressure. So James said, don't grumble. So how do you know if you're not being patient? You find yourself grumbling about your situation in your heart, just why is this unfair, what's going on? Patience looks like humbly, graciously submitting to the will of God in this season. That's the first thing. And the second thing is an interesting one, it comes very of this passage, being patient is not making negotiations with God. He says this in verse 12. He says, but above all, so, sinning against your brothers and sisters is bad, but now he's talking about a kind of conversation that you might have with God in your situation. He's talking about a Godward prayerful conversation. He says, but above all, do not swear, make oaths, make vows, either by heaven Or by earth, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. I think what he's trying to get at here is this propensity that we have in our lives. That when things are going difficult, we can often try and negotiate with God, and we say things like, "Lord, if you would bless me with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and a really good-looking boyfriend or girlfriend, and sure they'll be a Christian, but they've really got to be hot at the same time." (laughs) If you will bless me with that person, then I'll go to church every Sunday, I'll read my Bible every day of the week, I will pray, I will start tithing properly, I will serve you with abandon. if you give me that boyfriend or girlfriend. Or you say things like, Lord, I'm really going to buckle down on my spiritual disciplines, but I'm really hoping that in six months time I get that promotion. What happens? We start negotiating with the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who sustains us, the one who provides everything, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. We start making our ant-like negotiations with the Lord who is already giving us everything in the first place. And the danger is that we get into a habit of making these kind of promises and vows that we will do this if you do this, this negotiation relationship with God, which means that a decade or two decades later, we might have this litany of things that are unpaid back to God. Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes, getting at the same point. He says, when you vow a vow to God... Do not delay paying, for he has no pleasure in fools. He says, pay what you owe. And then he says, interestingly, it is better that you should not vow, that you should vow and not pay. So we have to avoid, in difficult times of our life, negotiating with God. If you get me out of this, I'll definitely sort my life out. I'll stop that sin if you do this. That's not patience. So to put all of this together, Christian patience, following Jesus, persevering through life, is a gracious and humble acceptance of the season that we're in for the blessing and the reward that will one day come. The question for us is, how do we walk in it? How do we actually follow Jesus through situations that need perseverance? Because the annoying thing with patience is that you need it every day, every week, every month, every year. Sometimes you need it for decades. And my reflection now, looking back on a few years of life and looking at those who have kind of gone before me, it feels like the requirement for patience actually increases the more you go on. There can be this funny thing of feeling like, well, if I just get this next thing, then I may not need patience for a while. Because, But it feels like as life goes on and develops in complexity and your broad breadth of relationships increase, actually the requirement for patience seems to increase, not decrease. So how do, we, how do we walk in this? How do we receive the power that is going to be upon us? There are two things I think that James teaches us and just helps us with and the first thing is this I think he asks us to, to reassess where we place the, the value and the worth in our life I think what, one of the ways in which we short circuit blessing in our life and rob ourselves of God's blessing in our life is that we, we look to the wrong things in our life to. To provide our lives with value and worth and and significance and they're normally good things that become too important to us so things like a great job income a spouse kids family a home these things are good gifts of the Lord but sometimes they can get elevated so that they're not just good gifts that we can receive and give away receive and give away but actually they become the basis and the foundation of our significance in life. So that unless I have a spouse, unless I have children, unless I have a house, unless I have a career that I feel gives me prestige, unless I have this, then my life is insignificant. But James shifts the attention for us from what we do and what we experience in this life to who we are actually becoming in the midst of it. His focus is actually on our character and who we are rather than what we do or achieve or have. He alludes to this, in this with this illustration of the farmer. It's not immediately clear, but let me just paint the picture. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. The question is, what is this precious fruit that the farmer is, is waiting for? And for James and the whole of the New Testament, Precious fruits and fruits and harvest are nearly always linked to character and who we are becoming. So he says this in chapter 3 verse verse 18. He says, "Um, but the wisdom from above that is in us now is then first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness that is within us and through us as the people of God. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, fruit is linked to who you are becoming. And Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. So James is asking us to reassess what actually gives you value in your life and taking it from the things of this world and placing it actually in the nature of who you are becoming. Because if, if you are always waiting for the next thing, I'm patiently waiting for my next promotion or my next career change. What happens? You know what happens when you actually get that thing. Like a week later, you are then back where you started patiently waiting for the next promotion or the next career change. It never actually changes. You are just always in this place of frustration. what's the next thing that... But when we shift the worth of our life onto who we are becoming, That our nature, that us being conformed to the image of Christ, our Saviour, is actually more important than what we get or achieve in this life. What actually happens is this. Whether we walk through blessing or whether we walk through difficulties, both become moments of opportunity for growing in precious fruit. Becoming actually who God calls us to for walking in blessing so you might go through a season where everything just seems to fall into place it's a season of joy and easiness and everything's coming to you and he thinks that everything's fine you think that is an opportunity for you to grow in precious fruit and to attain a harvest of righteousness and at the same token you can walk into a season of loss and heartbreak and loneliness and poverty and whatever it might be that's difficult in your life and it is an opportunity for you to gain a harvest of of righteousness. Everything becomes an opportunity for God to do something in your life. Which is of far greater worth than anything we could attain in this earth. Paul says that you can gain the world. Actually Jesus says this. I'm mashing a few different verses together in my head. But Jesus says you can gain the world forfeit the soul. You gain the soul. Lose the world. Get the world thrown back in at the end of the day. And this is for us. What we want to, to walk in. That we reassess who we are. For Job in this example, he became twice the man that he was previously. We're told the significance the symbolism of being blessed, a twofold at the end of his life. And he says this, halfway through his suffering. He says, Behold, I go forward, but God is not there. He says, I go backwards and I don't perceive him. On the left, when he is working, I don't behold him and he turns to the right and I don't see him. Anyone know that kind of situation in life? you feel like, I'm still a Christian, I still believe, but I, I, I struggle to sense him in my life. This was Job's experience of walking through God's path for him. He wasn't going on a sinful path, this was God's path for him. And he says in the middle of this path, path I don't sense him. Left, right, forward, behind, I, I can't feel the Lord's. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Isn't that amazing? There is character and depth and wisdom. And a knowledge of God that can be formed in your life. If you are willing to stick the course. And be patient where the Lord has called you.
1: This has been an enormous
0: comfort in in my life and in our life, just the last six months, for some of you, I, I've shared. Just for one reason or another, there have just been just multiple layers of things that, at times, honestly, I've felt like life is just crashing over us, and I'm just just getting through. That's what it's felt like emotionally. And the thing that has been one of the deepest comforts in all of this is not thinking to myself. And I'm sure in six months' time, it won't be so difficult. Like, that has been a little bit of help. But actually, the, the, the greater, deeper comfort for me has been this awareness that the Lord has purposes in this that are far bigger and deeper and greater. And there is something being formed in my life that I will one day reap as a harvest if I am willing to stay gracious on this path. There is something of the Lord's goal that he is forging in me that will last beyond this life that I will one day be very grateful that I stuck in there for if I'm willing just to stay here right now. Hebrews 12 says this, he said, it is for discipline that you have to endure. And this always sounds harsh, like just an angry kind of lashing out, but the Lord's discipline We're told it's for purpose. It comes out of a gracious loving heart. He says, God is treating you as sons or daughters. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And if you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we now not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness those who have been trained by it. And the thing that I have taken continual solace in is this, that the Lord I know is doing something in my life. A bigger purpose is at play here. I want to stay and be disciplined by the Lord that I may share in his holiness. So we need to reassess the value, what we find important in our life. There are some who seem to have lacked a lot in their earthly life. And you meet them later and they sparkle and twinkle with the gold of God. Others who we know have had life given to them. And yet they seem to shrivel up in their latter life and become less than who they were. We want to be those who bring out the gold, amen. So that's the first thing, we reassess what's important. Then the second thing is this, just to close. We look to the Lord. I think one of the ways in which we can just short-circuit the blessing of being patient and just get out of a situation is, is the moments where we feel like this is it. This is all there is. This is my lot. I'll never be married. So I'm going to figure out my own way of getting out of this situation. When you have children the the moment feeling like six months in to having kiki. I mean, no offence to kiki. But I was like... All I could see was dark, tired nights. Amen, <laughs> Eduardo. All you can see—it feels like this is it. And so you quickly try and find like, how how do I how do I get out of this situation? You know, like what 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 But it's all of all of life. Those moments you just think, if, if you can't see beyond this moment, that's when you think, okay, I'm losing patience. I've got to get out. What do we need to do then? We need to have the hope of heaven and know that all the darkness and the pain and difficulty and trials of this life, when we look to the Lord, they will not last forever. This is really, really, really good news. And I hope you hear this as good news today. Look how James says this. He says it twice over just so that we get the point. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. So you will not always have to be patient. That's the first bit of good news. When you get to glory, patience goes out the window because everything is there for us as we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Patience is until the coming of the Lord. And then he says it again in verse 8. He says this, I just ripped my page, I'm so excited. He says this, <laughs> you also be patient, establish your hearts, be strong Trinity Church London, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I know that I can walk through this season because it will not last forever. There is an end to all of this in the name of Jesus when the presence of Christ is, Comes to the earth again, he is going to wrap everything up, and everything sad and unjust will become unsad and just, and all righteousness will prevail, and I will walk into glory, and patience will be parked on earth as I behold the face of Jesus Christ, where he will make everything right. And Paul says, when he beholds and thinks and contemplates on the glory of the Lord that is coming, he says, The sufferings of this present age I do not consider worth comparing to the glory that is going to come when i step into that moment when i behold the face of christ i won't look back on my life like a tiny life when we look at the glory in eternity then i won't look back at my life and say to jesus what about that thing that happened in 2021 then eh? hey what's going on with that you will never go back and say, why did I have to live for ten years waiting for my spouse? I'm sure they were fine when they came, but there was ten years of what, what happened? No, no one will ever compare when we behold the face of Jesus Christ. We will get to that place of glory and we'll say, I don't I am not even concerned with c- comparing any of that now. I've seen the light of the face of the kindness and the compassion of Jesus Christ. I won't tell you, now I see you. There will be no one comparing. And this is the funny thing that, that James does with us. He says, do not grumble against one another verse, nine, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And we are so inclined to hear judge as negative. Like, don't do anything naughty at home. Jesus is behind the door. He might just pop his head round. What are you looking at on the computer? Jesus is the judge on the other side of the door. We're so prone to thinking of him like that. Jesus is watching. But when James says, behold, the judge is standing at the door. This is not like trying to wag a finger over us. He is telling us there's really good news. That in the moments when you're alone, And you are lost and you're struggling for strength for the tomorrow you need to know that jesus is on the other side of that door he knows what you're going through and any moment he is going to come back and he is going to bring righteousness to prevail on the earth he is going to bring an end to all the suffering and the tears and the pain of this world at which point you will never want to compare all that you walk through with the glory of his presence so just imagine that at work or those moments when you're on the tube and you would say, I, don't want, I don't want to do another day at work. Just imagine that Jesus is standing there at bank and he's about to walk on and make everything right. When well, you're in that situation at work, Jesus is about to walk in and make everything. It's coming. That moment is coming. And if we can see that loneliness will pass, depression will pass, anxiety will pass. If we can see that because Christ is coming back, we will persevere. Esther had this beautiful picture of walking through this. No, you didn't walk on water, did you, Esther, That would be next level miracle. We'd definitely just get you to preach and pray. But Esther going through this tunnel. And there is this crucifixion-like tunnel that we walk through of this life. But knowing that there is glory waiting on on the other side. And the Lord wants to implant, implant an established strength in us. So in just a moment we are going to pray. I just want to ask you to reassess really where you know your heart is trying to find the easy way out of things. Trying to find the path of least resistance through life rather than the righteous path that will lead to a harvest in your life. Where do you know you're actually trying to opt for the wide path where Jesus says come and follow the narrow path and just follow my footsteps wherever they might lead you don't look to the left or to the right on other people's path. They've got their own hardship to deal with that you don't know about. You follow me.